Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 13, issue 603, and today we're going to talk about Hi-Fi Rush, or maybe the emphasis is Hi-Fi Rush, or was that any different? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Leah Haydu. Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi ah. Rush. Uh, <laughs> caught me. Um, and Tony Atkins. Chai, chai, chai. Who nominated this game? I did nominate this game. Yeah. Our second staff pick of the year is Hi-Fi Rush. It is, for those who have not been paying attention for the last 12 months, it is a third-person character rhythm action game. Mm. We'll issue a spoiler warning because the game is full of characters and story beats. They uh, probably aren't too many unexpected twists and turns, but there's a couple of little things that you might not want to know about. But I feel overall like it's more like the kind of game that once you've heard us talking about it, you'll be perhaps more keen to play it than you were before even. I don't know. We'll see. Now, as regards to our histories, well, I actually don't think there's that much (laughs) to be said. The game came out a year ago. No one knew it was coming or anticipating it. So it's really there's it's only on two formats. So really, there's we've all played it. uh, And I believe that everyone except me has played it through multiple times. if there's any more than that to add, uh, let us know as we go. Um, we should start, I think, with with the developer, which was Tango Gameworks, a subsidiary of Bethesda Softworks, a subsidiary of Microsoft Game <laughs> Studios. Is that is that right? Did it uh, start? Did it was the development started when that was with them when they were part? Yeah, because they were they were already part of Bethesda, right? And then Microsoft hoovered everything up. Yeah, so three or four years in development, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah presumably yeah. it started prior and then ended up in the fold. Yeah, and uh, I do want to cover off some of the, the staff involved because I think it's it shows, I've, I've made a note of a, of a number of the games that folks have worked on. And a lot of them, obviously, there's a lot of Tango Games work stuff. So the Evil Within, Evil Within 2 uh, feature heavily. But um, there's also all kinds of interesting things from... The history mm. of uh, of games. So we got uh, a director by John. Is it Johannes? I think. Yeah. Jo- or jo- yeah, something like that. Who had previously worked with Tango on the DLC for The Evil Within, and then directed The Evil Within Two. If you're interested in those games, we covered both of those on the podcast some time ago. Seek them out. Uh, the producers, which perhaps less relevant, well, you've got an executive producer in in uh, credited as Shinji Mikami, of course, uh, created Resident Evil. And then you've got Masato Kimura, who previously worked on Devil May Cry, which is relevant, and Beautiful Joe 2 with Capcom, and also El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, another game that you can check out our podcast of. And uh, Shinsuke Ahara also uh, worked with Capcom on Dead Rising 2, so... We've got some good Capcom lineage there. Also in the designer, Masaki Yamada, who previously worked on the original Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2, and then on Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. Ah, I see. I see where this is going. Uh, the lead concept artist was Keita Sakai, who previously worked on Dragon Quest Nine, and then went to work with Platinum on Anarchy Reigns and The Wonderful 101. Mm-hmm. Check out our Wonderful 101 podcast. <laughs> uh, the lead character artist is uh, Kazuya Matsumura, who'd previously worked on a couple of interesting titles in the PS3 era called Folklore and Majin and the Forsaken Kingdom. Uh, the lead programmer is Yuji Nakamura, who'd previously been the lead coder on Kid Icarus Uprising mm. for the 3DS. Yeah. Uh, Joe, uh, John 
Johannes co-wrote it with Morten Brunbjerg, who'd previously written for downloadable indie titles, should we say? Max, The Curse of Brotherhood and Forgotten Anne. And we've got music from Shuichi Kabori, who previously worked on the Beatmania series and the Metal Gear Solid series, interestingly. We've got Ryu Uratani, who'd worked on Monster Hunter 3 and Monster Hunter Rise and is the rearranger of the Final Fantasy scores for the Pixel Remasters range. And then we've got Masatoshi Yanagi, who had worked on Killer is Dead and Ghostwire Tokyo. There we go. The game is made on Unreal Engine 4 and it was released for Xbox Series consoles and Windows PC on January the 25th, 2023. It was, as we now call it, shadow dropped or released without prior notice to anybody outside of the industry. Uh, here's what Hi-Fi Rush director John Johannes said, had to say about that uh, in an interview with Games Radar just recently. He said, we were looking at times to announce it so we wouldn't get overshadowed by something. We wanted to hype it, but not get people too excited or give too much of a chance to jump on it. And then that period just got shorter and shorter. And then I guess it ran out because the game just popped out. Tony and I were talking about this uh, in the run up to making this podcast. And I think we both feel that it probably in some ways did the game, if anything, some favours. Uh, it's hard to know if obviously without having uh, there's no alternate reality yeah, there yet. is no twin but yeah. i i think that, you know, maybe there's a, a sense of the gaming industry the way we are now and and you know it can either work for or against you um hype is can be a very powerful thing but it can also be a thing that can seemingly kind of destroy a game before it comes out and i think looking from the outside something like hi-fi rush uh, if there was maybe a six eight what six month a year kind of lead up to it I think some of its charm and maybe it's been kind of shown over and over again. I've had the chance of winning people over or having the opposite effect where people go, well, it's like a cartoony action rhythm game. I'm not interested. And I and I think ultimately what the Shadow Drop allowed it to do, and this, this, this could work for many games, and I understand why it won't work for other games, was allowed people, and certainly with Game Pass now, to just give it a go. Um to allow people just to jump on it if they have that platform or PC or Xbox Game Pass, just to download it, give it a go and actually just cut through the chaff of it and, and work out whether it's something they want to like or not like. And as far as I can tell, it, it really worked at the time because I remember quite a few people who, even when the trailer kind of came out, just watching via X or Twitter or whatever it may be, going, nah, not really my thing. And mm. then seeing them literally... 10 hours later saying oh my god this game's brilliant and like just because it's been dropped in their lap and it was one of those moments that they may, maybe just not a cultural moment just one of those moments that weirdly hit because it was the first kind of a first of its kind like this i think it did it no i didn't, didn't think it done, done any damage i think um if anything it just it helped it hit us into the kind of main main space without really doing it too much um, yeah disservice so I don't think that the shadow drop was as big a contributing factor as the fact that it shadow dropped on Game Pass. If mm. it had yeah, done yeah, yeah. that and and people had still had to pay, you know, twenty five, oh, thirty dollars sure. or whatever it was would would have been. I think um, it might have been a at least I, a fifty fifty dollar game actually, uh, if not a sixty. I, yeah, I, ju- I I looked at uh, potentially picking it up on uh, on Steam so I could play it on my Steam Deck. And it uh, it wasn't on sale, so I didn't because I'm that's ah, my okay. my metric of things. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, yeah. So it's, it's not super expensive. It's twenty nine ninety nine. 
So okay, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's, it's still mm. not a full price game, but there's a yeah, big yeah, yeah. difference between thirty dollars and zero dollars. And Absolutely. I think you already, oh, and, you know, or, or not zero, but you know, you've already paid for the service that yeah, allows yeah, yeah. you to access. And, this. and let's let's also get this straight. There's thousands of games that Shadow Drop every single day on Twitter on, Twi- on yeah. Steam. You know, that none oh, of us yeah, know yeah. that. And I think and, it, the, and the Nintendo yeah, uh, so, Switch eShop. You know, yeah. I I think obviously there's a level of quality that also needs to go hand in hand with doing well i think that's if anything the one thing that that could have for some people made given them certain assumptions and negative assumptions about the nature of this game either it's not a proper thing or it's just a a little you know in inverted commas indie title or, or you know regardless of who it's by the idea that it was somehow a lesser product because it was shadow dropped and it and, and to yeah, be it's, honest it's also quite a niche genre you know to put to put myself out there i kind of was one of those people i was like okay yeah, well this right. seems like an interesting idea not and it, even for myself i was like i like rhythm games but maybe the you know comedy rhythm game uh but You're big on devil may cry type games i mean oh, they're not yeah, like no. the most popular no, played for, but it, but even i was like uh, but then when when people started to talk like, actually, no, this is this is no. meaty. This has got lots of depth and lots of replay and lots of... So, yeah, it's a combination of many things. But I don't yeah. personally think going back to Shadow Drop, I think it worked for this game. Whether it worked for other games, obviously, I think you need that build up for some games. Something like, I don't know, another Microsoft title, Starfield. It made sense, obviously, to have that ramped up yeah. over multiple years of hype and, you know, whether it whether it was ever going to live up to it or not. Um, you know, can, you could argue whether it criticised uh, heavily or not over it. So I just think, yeah, it worked for this. It was yeah. interesting having played it now uh, w- without really, I, I mean, I've literally looked at the Steam page and obviously didn't register the price. But, um, and I didn't even think about, because I'm a Game Pass subscriber, I didn't even think about buying it. I was happy Funny, to, yeah. currently happy to not own it, although it is a game that, I mean, there's no reason why it would get taken off Game Pass, but if it was, it's one that I probably would consider adding to to my library. But if I was judging it based purely on my experience of playing it, the length of time it took to complete, the production values, I would have assumed it was a at least a high mid price game, if not a full price game. I think thirty dollars seems like a very <laughs> yeah, reasonable proposition. Yeah, yeah. For sure, and it makes it but the fact that it's Microsoft then Bethesda, then Tango makes it so much, I don't want to say easier because that's taking a lot of credit away from them, but to, to shadow drop a game because you have the marketing giant monster of Microsoft behind it then after the fact. So there's plenty of opportunities to re-remind the players that, hey, this is out, this is on Game Pass now. Hey, look at our new title on Game Pass, you know, and then you, you could you can, their, their marketing length, their tail of that marketing is a lot different than, you know, indie company A shadow dropping their game on Steam and hoping that the right streamers pick it up and, you know, Absolutely. I, and stuff. I also like that trailer that dropped with it where even in the even in the credits, it's like from director John Johannes from Evil Within or Evil Within 2. Yes, seriously, that guy. And it's just like it, it, <laughs> it played it, you know, against itself, which was this is coming from. The, the the development house which is primarily known well pretty much exclusively known for uh horror games um yeah. so you know i could see that kind of conversation is like well yeah what are they doing making this like and actually almost taking something away from it because you know who are these people making this it weird excites games? me more yeah. that tango gameworks are going to be more of a platinum as they were type studio where they will make whatever genre they kind of want to make rather than becoming specialists in a particular now Niche. do a rhythm-based horror game. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm on it. Yeah, I'll play that. Um, yeah, and I also think, uh, not that we want to get into any sort of, um, you know, 
platform based discussions really but i think it helped the profile of the game that i think it's fair to say xbox has been struggling for really noteworthy exclusives um in recent times and he was one that was at least at the time other than the pc as it was a console exclusive and it was a game that i don't know i can't remember how quickly the reviews kind of got written up um whether anyone had been given code but no, it takes two i don't know if they had been given code or not but i remember them being pretty fast pretty swift yeah, yeah but you can play that, it in like 13 of, hours i guess yeah that's part of what really i i mean i think that was part of the whole shadow drop thing is that yeah a lot of outlets and a lot of you know podcasts or, or websites or whatever kind of latched onto it and and were very mm-hmm. into the hey check out this really unique thing that you know it came out of nowhere and you know we're we're all super into it i i i think it, it was my experience that some of the places that i listened to that kind of thing from were very high on it pretty quickly after it came yeah. out so i think that yeah. was probably for for people yeah. who follow that kind of thing i think it was probably a, a big uh push in the right direction yeah, I imagine a lot of the websites would have been, oh boy, we better put someone on this right away, yeah. uh, play it tonight, uh, probably all night, and uh, and write your review tomorrow and let's get it published ASAP. The, the and best way to game, of, yeah. That's, uh... Well, not necessarily, <laughs> and we've all done it for this show as well. Um, but uh, but actually it worked out pretty well because we've ended up with an 89% open critic score and the game is uh, recommended by yeah. 96% of 111 reviews which is uh, very positive, obviously. John Tempe- uh, Tempelli, sorry, from our Patreon, uh, was watching the TCGS Talks Over, the Xbox event, when this game was announced. It looked and sounded amazing. When it got to the end of the trailer, it was announced that it was available now. I was in. I loved this game, definitely due to the extremely likeable characters. This game was also laugh-out-loud funny in moments. I never quite nailed the timing of the combat, but got close enough that certain encounters made me feel like an absolute gum. But the ultimate shout out has to go to the mission where you're launched from a cannon into the cafeteria. The cutscene setup is perfect and the way that invaders must die by the prodigy hits has escalated to this, uh, this to one of my favourite moments in 20 plus years of gaming. Looking at user reviews more widely, I looked on the Xbox store and it has 4.4 out of 5 from 700 reviewers who have remembered to rate their game does anyone do that i don't do that on the xbox (laughs) not not on xbox though (laughs) yeah um it doesn't sort of prompt you to do it so i've never thought oh yeah i must go in and rate that game that i played Uh, maybe Mm. i should i don't know uh on steam it's overwhelmingly positive which is as high as it gets from nearly twenty thousand folks and on metacritic it has the same as its open critic critic score of 8.9 out of 10 this time from 3,300 odd folks. So all very positive and it even won an award at the Game Awards 2023 for Best Audio Design. So really the only thing I need to know, I I guess about histories, unless you're going to tell me otherwise, is uh, why, Tony, in particular you decided that this would be your selection for uh, for the volume. Is it simply that it was your favourite game of last year? You've been reading my tweets. (laughs) No. Um... So obviously, yeah, Kane and Rings, we tend to cover stuff further back normally than a year. Um, normally. Normally. Um, so for me, it's quite, it's it's unusual to, to vote for something so so in the line. It's only a year old, so or to almost well, less than a year old actually now, isn't it? Yeah, so. Um, yep. But it's been a long time since a game come along and 
really kind of slapped me across the face and just made me smile. And and that's like really infectious. And I was like, can I wait a couple of years to see how kind of this this kind of marinates over a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Or do I just, you know, do I just want to talk about this as, at the, the earliest um, sure. availability? And yeah, it just came out. It's like, do you know what? It is a year old. I'm going to just put my neck out there, stick it on this. I want to talk about it because it's something I truly love. And yeah, I mean, it was it was my favorite game from last year. And, you know, I am somebody who's been playing Baldur's Gate 3 and Alan Wake 2 and all the other things that get put into that big long list. I mean, what an absolute crazy year. Uh, year 2023 was Zelda, uh, Mario. They're, they're the games that I have actually been playing. But this just... Not to get not to, to to ruin the surprise of whether I like this. This is just one that really okay. that's ruined. Yeah, really jumped <laughs> to the very front of that queue because it it made me it reminded me why I love gaming. It just mm. big, great big grin, smile, bopping around, happy, just wiggling the controller. So much entertainment, and I was yeah, I I just like that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna want to talk about it on Kane Rinse this year. So yeah, I I use my my secret pick to put a fairly new title in there. Okay. Brian, anything you want to add for your history? Uh, no, just that I was able to sneak in. I played it at launch and snuck in two more complete playthroughs before the recording. So, yeah, mm, I played on three good. different difficulty levels. No, nothing that. Other than that, uh, uh, just kind of echo what you and Tony have already said that there was a that shadow drop really did. It, it took absolutely nothing for me to go to Game Pass and press the download button after seeing that you know mm. initial trailer and reveal. I'm like, why wouldn't you just give this a shot? So that's kind of how I entered into it. Leah pretty much the same i i played it at launch played it again uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, i so i am typically quite good at rhythm games but not always that good at character action like i enjoy them but i'm not the person who is going for the best combo in devil may cry or whatever Um, but this game supports that and i mean we'll talk about We'll talk about the um, kind of the accessibility stuff as well as the gameplay mm. as we go on, but it was a really good balance for me and a, a way to use kind of the rhythm genre that I hadn't personally experienced before. So mm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I did play it a little bit on like just after it came out, maybe the same day or the day after, played a couple of levels and uh, enjoyed it well enough, but obviously had uh, other things to be getting on with so i've only just gone back to it for the show the last week or 10 days or so and yes i'm i think i've uh played it through the least but i did have a uh, a lengthy session of post-game content earlier today uh which is uh well i mean yeah you could you could potentially be playing that for years <laughs> yeah. i would say there's a lot uh if you wanted to master it all um so yes uh just just saw the credits roll today in fact yeah, earlier yeah. today so fresh in my mind uh I don't think I actually saw the trailer because I, I don't know if I was even watching. Was I watching the thing? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. So I had uh, no hype for it other than oh, this game's come out that people are going. This game's come out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, better play it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've essentially I've played it through it four times now. So yeah, um, various difficulty levels and, and various yeah. cleaning up miscellaneous stuff along route. Yeah, yeah. So. There's there's a lot to do if you want to do it for sure. Uh, well, let's start with the sort of. I mean, it is a game where really we kind of need to take it all in in a whole, but just loosely. Uh, I want to start with the with the sort of the visual presentation, but also the uh, the scenario, the the story, and the writing, and the the characters' performances, that sort of thing. 
The Steam blurb says, Feel the beat as wannabe rock star China's ragtag team of allies rebel against an evil robotics enhancement megacorp with raucous rhythm combat from Tango Gameworks, the studio that brought you the evil within and Ghostwire Tokyo. No, really. Comes <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush, an all-new action game where the characters' world and combat stylishly sync to the music. Um, so those of you who did see the trailer was Tony was that did that contribute to your pre-play excitement uh, I was like most of us here I, I probably would have seen it and just gone yeah that looks really cool I'll try that um, mm-hmm. a couple of the because they, they show up a couple of bosses a couple of dialogue scenes and like all trailers you think mm, comedy I don't know whether this is gonna mm. <laughs> just you know video game comedy is yeah, dangerous like, um <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, I I love rhythm action games anyway, so it was always going to be something I tried. Um, but once again, would I have made a purchase off that trailer? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Mm. I guess what I waited for reviews. <laughs> and and once you got to playing it, uh, were you won over by the, the characters and the writing? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, I, that's a more, more of a kind of a s- summary at the end. But no, it's one of those things where... I started off the game not quite knowing what I, what I was walking into, and by the end of the final boss, just grinned so hard. I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'm I'm locked in. I want to see how this this progresses." And we all know what that final kind of first level boss is. You know, once you kind of get your your head around what the game is asking, and and it wasn't plain sailing. Like there's there's one or two aspects. I was like, "Oh, I don't. Yeah, am I going to get the timing down?" There's that that sheer panic of trying to work out whether you're going to be good enough to hit on the beat because you know that i've had played other games where that's been a requirement or even the combos where you have to hit them perfectly and you know i've not maybe been able to to see that quite as well as i want and found the uh, the experience tough so yeah all that all those kind of gamer doubts would certainly in my head and that first kind of brush of it but i think yeah the ultimately the the visual style and the music and all that stuff kind of won me over in the first level and leah you sort of alluded to the fact that yeah comedy in games is a it's a it's it's a high wire act that yeah. may well, or I mean, may not work. in general is right yeah, yeah. Anything, in video yeah. games yeah. particularly because sometimes they want to capture a and and there are a few instances of this being like hyper specifically located in in this time period and the one that always mm. the one that i had forgotten about and i actually made a note of it so that i didn't forget it was the left shark thing um mm-hmm. which I, mean, I didn't get that reference until i yeah it, well, it that's that's kind of my point is like that's a hyper specific yeah. pop culture yeah. reference that like most people aren't gonna get now and they definitely aren't gonna get it playing it in five <laughs> years or whatever so I, I mean they 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 do a, a decent job is what i will say i'm not super hard to impress with this kind of stuff but um i i do i do think that there is for me at least, a pretty significant difference between games where I'm kind of at least chuckling, if not, you know, laughing hysterically at, at most of the humor, and those where I'm like, oh, okay, great, and just kind of rolling my eyes at what they say. But I mean, I, I thought that this was, it wasn't, for the most part, I didn't think it was like laugh out loud funny, but it, it was it was entertaining, and yeah. I I did get some good chuckles Th- this, out of some of these. This came out the same year as Forspoken did, you know, different ends of the comedy direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, okay, I, I say that. I haven't played Forspoken yeah, yet. Yeah, I didn't endure it, it but... but I remember the I remember the trailers. So um, it's interesting 
because the, these characters talk so much when you're just going through the levels. Like mm-hmm. your Chai is almost always having a conversation with somebody, especially leading up to and 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 after com- combat encounters, and then just like there's always radio chatter happening. So there's a ton of opportunities for that comedy to not land or become abrasive, and it so rarely does. And I, much like Leah, I don't think there's any errors that I was laughing out loud uh, about stuff happening, and maybe one or two eye-rolly moments. I remember specifically, well, now that I've played it twice this past week, uh, there's one section where Chai kind of does that, like, angsty, oh, you sound like a video game tutorial. But that's maybe, like, that's, I think that's kind of the exception that proves the rule there, because, like, because aside from that one line, that's the one that sticks out, but there are joke after joke about Chai's kind of being aloof and not really understanding what to do in his reckless nature, kind of, you know, bumbling through into positive scenarios or whatever. And it all always worked for me because it feels very earnest. It doesn't Chai feel... is just I was gonna say, dummy. Yeah. Like, so yeah. much of the humor for me was just Chai being an idiot and these yes, incredibly exactly. competent people who are supporting him yeah. because he just happens to have this advantage of having his iPod essentially embedded in his chest. Used. Like, he has that. He's still an idiot, so so they're, you know, pulling him through all of this. And a that's lucky, the talented joke. That's it. That's the joke. There's, there's a couple yeah. of phrases that spring to mind. It's like, oh, he's always falling upwards, if that makes sense, because because, like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. he's failing, but somehow it's... Just, and this is where the game does so good. It's a situational comedy. Like, there's so many instances where clearly his plan is disastrous from the very start. And somehow through just, a, a, you know, the number of events that happens around him, the plan pays out. And everybody else around him who's more sensible kind of just look in amazement of how things well, the, just... Isn't the main theme teamwork and friendship? Oh, for sure. And ultimately, he, he survives and gets through because... Because of his friends, um, rather than acting alone, and I mean, it's a very simple. You know, the the over overarching theme of the entire thing is basically friends and family are better than com- big companies, right? Oh, yeah. Is, is there is well, there anything and, more to it than that? And as Brian said, the, the thing that I think actually what really saves it is there's there's a lot of earnest and a lot of heart that's also in this comedy. It's not just comedy yes, for comedy. Yeah, it's really wholesome. It's yeah. comedy that is deriving from either situations or people just chatting, and it feels like you kind of. You know, not quite like an episode of Friends, but do you know what I mean? It's that kind of almost sitcom-y, they, they've only known yeah. each other for a small period of time, but somehow as a group they all click. Yeah, they get really close really quickly. Yeah, uh, Chai says that in one line, and that this is the part where I laughed out loud a couple times, because it was almost exactly six hours into the game where uh, Macaron says, like, that's our Chai, and Chai goes, Macaron, you've known me for five hours. Like, it yeah, just yeah. hits it so on the nose, like... It's very aware of what it is and what it's doing, and 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 that just like it it just as you said, Tony, wholesome or earnestness. It just it feels very genuine. Um, in you know, and a lot of especially with comedy, but like just all form of drama, like it really coming across as genuine and heartfelt is not something that is easy to do. So it certainly yeah. succeeds on that level for me. And, and it's a bit like um, it reminded me a bit of Big Hero Six. That's yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. Pretty good. Now, and and it's and it's more important. I think it's just woven throughout the world it's not just reserved for like the bunch of five the five main characters you're following around it's you've got the the antagonist and the protagonists that can also be equally funny in different moments so and each strong character yeah and even um funny robots yeah everywhere. even you know even just like side characters that you know have nothing to do with anything you just you know if you catch them uh, they speak back to you and, you know it's that voice. weirdly horny fridge that keeps showing up like <laughs> yeah and 808 you know it's, we haven't um, talked about the cat you know 808 is brilliant but you know 
I love 808. <laughs> I love 808. doesn't even speak. I mean, you know, she's a... 808. Uh, is like sort a of a speaker, sort of. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But has yeah. her own, you know, um, uh, personality and yeah. uh, kind of great thing animation. Going on. Any um, any favorite kind of uh, performances? I, I would say that the entire cast is spirited, throws their all into it. There's a few slightly wobbly accents that I'm not sure the choices were necessary. Um, Roquefort is a. I mean, I don't, it probably turns out the actor's actually Australian, but. Um, uh there's he has he has they obviously decided to kind of mix the accents up a bit um corsica has a, a corsica sounds to me oh, like yeah. she's meant to be um oh uh uh what's her name plays nebula she was in doctor who uh Amy oh Pond. uh karen gillian karen karen gillian, gillian that's it it sounds like she's doing her voice as nebula but with her original scottish accent um but but I, th- I think it's quite a good performance um and there's a yeah, macaron who's a, a, an adorable character yeah um has a slightly wobbly uh i guess is meant to be a british accent um from a, a texan actor so but you know nothing that nothing that kind of nothing ruinous but but lots of um lots of likability they all brought that likability to these uh these very broad Characters. I, I think somehow the voice acting work is some of the best voice acting work I've heard in a very long time. And I and it's surprising. And it just it's just really well like the dialogue is really well delivered and comedy lines are, are well paced. Um, there's some really great inflection and, it you know, they would have been easy to make it kind of zany, but actually they keep it fairly kind of hmm. in tone and they make it kind of more heartfelt than actually. Kind of yeah, more like a the way that I ended up feeling like it's like um like an eighties kind of movie, you know, something like the Goonies or something a bit like you know, do you know what I mean? Just like Back to the Future or it's just kept yeah. in something in cheek, you know, Ghostbusters, you know, something like the ridiculousness of stuff going around, but still how somehow making it believable. So sure, I think the voice acting is really really good. Yeah, I I in general I agree with that. Though the one disappointment for me in the voice acting is Rekka. And it's only because she's the first boss and you take her down pretty quickly because I think that performance is awesome. <laughs> I really like that character. I would have loved to interact with that character a little bit more. She Wrestler. seems so, <laughs> so competent and powerful and like like a like a real big bad type of situation. And you just, to, in my opinion, after playing it through again and again, they you just don't get a little enough time with her. Because by the end of, oh, now I can't remember his name. Um the R&D guy with the uh, the hair. Oh, my goodness. Oh, with the tentacle Va- hair. Sanzo. Uh, Sanzo, oh, yeah. Sanzo, yeah. Yeah. You get to you get to know so much about him in those two <laughs> levels because they're pretty long levels. And yeah, um, so you really get like a real feel for his personality and mm. his proclivities and other stuff like that. And and so by the end of that level, I felt like by the end of each of the bosses levels, I felt like I really knew them, except Rekka for Rekka was cut back. short. Yeah. Kind of I, I did really uh, uh, regarding Rekka. I did like. I did really like some of the, because um, I mean, obviously this game does the thing, you know, where there are logs and emails and uh, iPads lying around with stuff mm-hmm. on them um, and reading some of Rekka's stuff. She is definitely the type of person who types in all caps all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, that, that that stage in particular, I thought had some pretty good supporting material around mm-hmm. the... Uh, the the boss that you're going towards uh i mean obviously we've talked about the characters uh, but the way they're drawn is such an Im- important part of this game um i haven't seen this game on on an oled but i've i i i look at it on my uh my reasonably decent 
4K screen, and uh, and I think it 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 is absolute. As everyone will say, the the word is vibrant. Um, the whole the whole sets uh, move and pulse with the music. Um, it is anime, but there are multiple different styles used for different cutscenes and mm-hmm. things like that. And um, according to uh, the Digital Foundry sort of best graphics of the year roundup in which this game was included. Um, they used multiple different frame rates on the actual anime uh, cutscenes to make them look authentic. So in the same way that Arc System Works has done this with the Guilty Gear games, um, they deliberately cut frames on on the animation to make them look like the kind of anime that we know. But apparently some of them are as low as eight frames a second. Then there are some at 15, some at 24 and obviously then plenty of it and including the entire game is played at uh, a pretty much pretty much rock solid 60. So what's been funny I've been messing around with this game since I've been oh, I played it primarily on the Series X but I've also been messing about this on my um Rogue Ally. Uh, and, yeah, and yeah. with that you can have like it will show you the on-screen frame rate and stuff that's going on yeah. just because PC based. And mm. uh you can see that in real time as it as it happens when it goes into different cutscenes you got the Oh you can. It drops down oh, okay. to 24, down to 8, up that's to 60, how they knew on up to 30 Foundry, right. and then um right. on that I was been, I was actually playing the main game at 120 via via yeah. that. Um yeah, yeah. so it was yeah it was really odd to watch that kind of graph go up and down but it just you know cool. it's cutscene so it doesn't really matter. It looks good though. So on an aesthetic level, though, um, did it please you? Does it evoke those adjectives that are flying around, such as colourful and vibrant? <laughs> I think what this game has done so well, which you know, it really puts it into a genre of its own, is it's got so much energy that comes off the screen via, be it its visual pleasing, its, its colours, you know, bright, bold colours, um, but be it the way that it utilises that both in, in its in its gameplay via the combat, um, by everything around you sink into the beat. So there's lots of, you know, visual lines or cues going off. There's just a whole bunch of energy that comes off everything that's going on. Nothing's still for more than two seconds. No, you know, every beat, very little static, every beat, yeah. there's something moving on. And that's, you know, that could be really, really busy, but actually it manages to kind of somehow rein it in altogether. But the, the other way I can describe it is if you've seen something like Into the Spider-Verse, how yeah. they seamlessly mix different art styles and techniques that blend into each other so it doesn't feel like you're breaking you know one animation scene goes into the next it doesn't feel like there's a a, an individual cut or a a a scene that breaks that it just smoothly moves from gameplay which is very um cell shaded which is nothing new we've seen that a lot but um Mm. The way that it somehow manages to blend that into 2D, into kind of CG, back into normal gameplay in a kind of seamless manner that just all makes sense. And you, you don't really ever get taken out of that, that experience. And it just somehow, it's, yeah, somehow it's really slick and fluid. Yeah. The, 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 the techniques they use that the, the modern tech provides, whether it's SSDs or whatever, or just mm. the, the power and the RAM of the machines to kind of seamlessly transition there are the, there's occasional pauses and you can skip cutscenes, and it will say give us a sec <laughs> while it's trying to catch up but most of the time it's just kind of this constant flow and it'll slip into 2d and then back into 3d and cutscenes will happen kind of on the fly and qts and there's never any breaks or pauses and i suppose you know it's 2024 now we this was 2023 we should be kind of expecting that sort of level of fluidity and slickness but actually it's still impressive and combine it with the kind of the visual flair the only thing i will say as a caveat is i do think that the some of the combat scenes 
for me as a maybe it's my age um but do get a little bit much to kind of try to pass exactly what's going on at sometimes when there's when there's a lot of enemies and you've got your three helpers teammates popping in and you've got everything pulsing around you and you're trying to remember what uh what buttons do what i know it becomes second nature once you practice it enough but there are moments where it's hard to know whether you need to do a parry then you're trying to keep your many many different uh options of combos and attacks in your head there's a lot oh, yeah, sometimes sure. it is it's it's tiring it's um it's not a game to kind of wind down with i don't think well, regarding the the overall visual style there's that uh, wonderful moment in the first level where you're kind of going through and you get your clothes and you get your guitar and all the stuff and then you ride up that elevator and you're doing those timed jumps and you pop mm-hmm. out of like the top oh, of the yeah. smokestack and you kind of see the whole campus you know and and all of it's moving and swaying with the beat. And it was kind of like that moment, um, very Cuphead-like to me in the sense that, mm. like, couldn't, like, kind of was pretty amazed that I was able to control a character with this environment. I wasn't just watching, like, a movie or, like, a cutscene. Like, mm. I was able to interact with this environment in certain ways. Like, it just, it has that, like, it, it kind of, at least for me, I couldn't just, I, I having trouble believing that this was, really happening in front of me and, and, and looking as good as it did at all times. It's and, uh, 10 years on from Sunset Overdrive. It yeah. kind of felt like 10, 10 years on from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is some similarities there. And then you yeah. combine that with the with the, the stylistic choices of how they, you know, well, they'll do the comic panels to intro levels and mm. kind of like the mission stuff or or just like the, the big, like, visual splash static image of when the boss breaks through the window and you know with like a, with a a lot of times a different font treatment or a different you know shading yeah, yeah. scheme and stuff enemy and just, introductions that yeah. are like posters yeah um, i just i there there's and there's a, and there's just like great creative choice stuff so there's the museum level where you're going through the museum and you're on your way to fight um um the oh the lady oh my god why can't i think of her name oh uh mimosa mimosa gosh she flies um so and and you're going through the the lobby of this museum and it's got pictures of all the bosses around except there's a, an empty hole where one was and if you go down into the basement <laughs> around the left, left you yeah. see Corsica's picture had been taken off the wall and kind of <laughs> thrown down at the bottom like oh it, nice it's just like the the detail combined mm. with the visual fidelity and the like the, it really it all felt like very lovingly crafted. Blue Weasel Breath from our forum says Hi-Fi Rush charmed me silly from the opening moments as a huge fan of animation I loved the game's visuals and overall style. It comes as close as any ev- uh, as any game ever has, except possibly the two South Park RPGs, to making it seem like you're playing an actual cartoon. I especially love the lush and bright colours, which put me in mind of a Mobius comic. Uh, we really can't separate out the sound design from the gameplay, I don't think, <laughs> because it is so utterly integral. Literally every beat in the game is uh something that you're trying to match in almost every movement you don't have to you don't have to platform to the beat most of the time just in terms of general walking around although yeah but i car- tried to yeah you're thing. right and yeah, sometimes yeah. that got you're me you're clicking in your trouble. finger yeah yeah <laughs> like i was trying yeah. to rush jumps that maybe i shouldn't have yes. because i just i i yeah. was so ingrained into the <laughs> yeah. fact that you the should be yeah. mapping everything it- to the rhythm that I would, yeah, try to go too fast occasionally yeah. and it, just kind of yeah. eat it. It's funny you say that, actually, because if you do play on Rhythm Master, you do need to keep a your rhythm up, mm. otherwise you actually fail the level. So yes. there is yeah. a element of, where, do you know where you dash and you, you dash, can dash, dash on the beat dash, and you can yeah, jump yeah, on the yeah, beat? Yeah. You need to do that yeah. constantly to stop there your you grade dropping down to D where the game runs over. And that also plays into some of the extra kind of spectra doors or surrounding content where you mm. have to do challenges which require you to hit on the beat 
on the beat all the time. Yeah. So that stuff is well, built in there. It's just as a normal playthrough, even all the way up to Rivermaster, you, you don't have to interact with it. Well, I think that brings us on quite nicely to this, the a wide array of abilities that this game would cater for from uh, a game that allows you to switch certain certain things on and off to make it quite accessible all the way up to that enormously high skill ceiling mm-hmm. that generally you would expect. There's two two genres at play here. You've got your character action Bayonetta type experience and you've got your kind of Japanese rhythm action game. Combine those two genres, both of which in themselves have enormously high skill ceilings as a rule um, to both both genres that I've seen played to what looks to me like a, a, a beyond human level of competency. <laughs> uh, and then, but I, so I played the game entirely on normal all the way through. Didn't turn anything on. I, I, the only thing I tweaked was the, the visual depiction of 808. So I just changed it from the, the disc that goes out to the disc that is 2d and flat. That was the only thing I changed, but you can, um, I think there's there's all kinds of things, aren't you, to 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 onboard a player who perhaps isn't either either familiar with the genres or perhaps just isn't very so good. So I at think rhythm. if you play on normal or easy, you can access tons of accessibility features from um, turning the button prompts to just a single um, input. So I think it's X. Uh, from actually doing a lot of the yeah. auto complete, some of the more challenging moves, it just right. does them for you. Or mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of the timing based stuff, it just completely wipes that stuff out. So you have a big on screen beat display thing, which uh, which stops you kind of having to look at the environment so closely. Yeah, and I and I suppose this will this both does go both into sound design and gameplay design because the two yeah. are so connected together. But ultimately. Yeah, yeah. For anyone that's sitting there listening to this saying, look, I'm just not good at rhythm games. You don't actually have to be good at rhythm, a rhythm game to get through this game. Mm. Um, what this no. game essentially does is that if you perform on the beat, you do more damage. But you also, yes. obviously, there's more energy that comes from the screen. If you're doing everything on the beat, the music picks up. The, there's a progression system that more the higher your score goes, the, the fast, well, not quite the fast, it stays at 140 beats per minute all the time. But... In this yeah, mode, in the yeah, story, in the story. but there, there's a level of kind of stuff that happens around you. But if you just want to just hit buttons all the time, you will actually get through the game all the way to the end yeah. and see the end credits. So there isn't there. That's why it's got such a, a low floor. But obviously your scores will be low as you progress through the I'm... as you progress through the difficulty levels. That obviously doesn't count. But on the very easy on the easy mode, you can you can just bash buttons because I I played through. I would be interested to hear. If anybody really did play it that way, because not because I don't think that you that you physically couldn't, but more because I, I'm not sure that I see Why? that <laughs> I personally see the appeal of playing it without yeah. taking that into account. And, and what the reason I emphasize that I don't see how is because I'm sure that, like I said, that that somebody has like that. That's probably yeah. a thing out there somewhere. It just. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. And although, so I, 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 although I agree with you, I think, you know, the, the fear, I think, of a lot of us, and as you get older, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just not good at this type of game. And I think that's, you know, when you think of rhythm games, I've played rhythm games where I've come to a point and I can't beat the level. And I'm like, Jesus, you're like, I really need to hone my skills to get past this. Hi-Fi Rush isn't that game. It rewards it. That's why it's such a low floor. It rewards you if you want to get, you know, on the beat and perfect and high scores and do all that stuff. But ultimately, if you just want to have a fun, good time, 50% of the stuff and see the story through 
you're not going to get punished. In fact, they have so many yeah. accessibility options on the lower levels that the game won't quite play it for you, but there is the ability there to enjoy the content to be had. And I think also, I, like that. I like when a game is, is willing to have that both ends. Yeah. Also playing on normal, I found that like, and, and trying to play it quotes properly, i.e. trying to play to the beat and uh, maximize combos and things where I could, I was getting um, good ranks on two categories, but my just, which is the just as in, Timing, timing. Right, yeah. as in pro, uh, yeah, as in proper timing was always around fifty to sixty percent, which is where the which is where the difficult. So that su- such as it is, my my entire my ranks all the <laughs> way through every sub sub chapter were like B for the entire game. But I know now that if I went back and start from the beginning, just as with Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, you unlock, you buy more more weapons, more combos, more uh, stuff. But it's still you're still going to so- need to kind of. Practice. And see, I think mine, I was kind of the opposite of of what you were doing, Leon, because I was getting very good scores on the just thing, uh, okay. but my combo yeah. scores were not that great because right. that's that's the section that gave me more trouble was the actual combat. Yeah. Like getting both together is the jerks who like zoom across yeah. and then shoot you from afar. They yeah, were yeah. like the bane of my existence. Um, I suspect but, uh, a lot of people will find they'll be decent at one or the other, and then yeah. it's really the, the 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 the. I mean, I know Brian and Tony have been back through it on harder difficulties. Have you got to the point where you can get S star ranks on on most of the levels or some of them? Or? It's it's funny. I actually found the games somewhat easier on hard, and I I know that sounds odd, but it's because there's more emphasis placed on actually having to do that stuff. Yeah. I say correctly, that's wrong, but you, you know, there, there's more emphasis on having to get your timing down just right. Yeah, no, and I because understand. you're you're in that mindset, it's less you know you you are constantly thinking of like okay on the beat on the beat on the beat on the beat and then you're not really ever stopping so the other stuff comes with it because you're thinking uh, and this is where the gameplay and the visual stuff if you if the for somebody who hasn't played it it's so you've got light attack hard attack and then a combination of special special moves that work around but the light attacks on every beat so boom 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 so you can always be spamming that one hit and then the heavy attack on the on the every other beat so it's boom miss hit boom miss so it's once you get that into your head and you sync that up with what's going on in the background, the, the visual, you know, all the levels are kind of jump into that beat, the character. And, yeah. and what makes this more accessible to me rather than something like Devil May Cry is because everything then works in the same rule set. So um, enemies will hit on the beat. So if you can work out where the beat is, you're not going to get hit because you can work out when that is coming. So if you're pulling off... Yeah. A combo of stuff you know that there's a certain section you can hit something because you, essentially there's an invulnerability beat that's happening in there so as you and speaking of the audio you get a ping before you can parry certain yes yeah, so like so that. there's there's visual stuff and this goes back to maybe what it becomes a little bit busy but there's visual cues all the time that's going off but because everything essentially is either on the beat or on the second beat off beat it it kind of once you get into that headspace you can just work with the combat all the time because it's not just some random person hit you from nowhere because you weren't looking. It's because that was always going to happen yeah. on that beat. I know that sounds complex, but really it's not once you get into it. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, we haven't even talked about support characters, the chain, the grabbing chain and the and the dodge move well, the, as well. The chain is there, is, there, there is a lot of, there is a lot of um, yeah, astral chain type 
uh, grab, although a lot of these, a lot of the character action games have them. But yeah, there's, there's, you're doing a lot with your fingers. It's kind of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater levels of, of finger juggling if you're trying to play, if you're trying to play the game well and not take too much damage and, and so on. But I think it's, um, it makes sense for the genre exactly in my experience of playing Devil May Cry's and Bayonetta's is that normally your first time through on normal difficulty, you'll come out with okay grades, not terrible, not, not amazing, mm-hmm. but then really it's actually once you start replaying the sections where you actually start to nail it, or in this case, you unlock a few more modes where you can try stuff out. Brian, how, how, what's your what's your path of play been? Did you start off as, uh, or were you always awesome? <laughs> no, not always awesome. Um, I, <laughs> I'm very lucky in these games because of, of my hobbies outside of game. Mm. Um, I, I played the drums in real life. So you keep I, time. Yeah. Um, so, so that part was not, never the problem for me. My problem is that when I find a combo I like, I just use that oh, combo yeah. over and over again. Yeah. So especially, so I would use the one where I would launch, <sighs> I would launch an enemy in the air and then I would do a, a specific uh, air combo yeah, that yeah, would yeah, yeah. like jab him a bunch and then knock him to the ground. And so I would always get SS on the second, not always, but on the, my most recent very hard playthrough on the second two ones. But then my mm-hmm. combo score would be like a C. <laughs> so yeah. like I'd end up with an A or a B on each stage. It marks you down for repetition, doesn't yes, it? Yes, um, exactly. Um, so we should uh, bring it back a bit and talk about the music, because obviously this is the the beat that we're playing to is majoritively, um, I guess, uh, music composed by the the aforementioned Japanese composers, and I would say the majority of it is of uh, indie rock style, um, quite generic, but not unenjoyable. There are a few, there are a couple of tracks which stand out as being slightly to the side of that genre wise. There's, we've got a little bit of um, semi-classical in there and uh, one that's kind of quite horn heavy. Um, and they kind of, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're constant. Choruses kick in as, as you, uh, as as you hot things up and action improves and there's also a sele- a small modest selection eight uh licensed tunes uh, a couple from 9 inch nails uh, the black keys the prodigy and uh zwan who uh, people were excited about being in the game um but it's uh, it's the end credits theme which is <laughs> it's a lovely song and uh, and it's a lovely end credits theme but um you don't actually get to play to it but um yeah so use of music uh brian you were talking about your musical chops um i i the one thing i will say is i like how reserved they were with the use of licensed music i bet it was probably a lot of talk happened about that you know are we going to do all original all licensed and i think it was used to great effect um i forget who the correspondent was that mentioned it about the prodigy song in the cafeteria Mm -hmm. um was a wonderful moment um when it, it had that great uh moment at the beginning of foreshadowing with nine inch nails and like like and me being like Man, in the first level, like this Nine Inch Nails song is cool, but Perfect Drug would be a perfect song for this game. And then it waits until the very end and drops it on you in the final boss. And like that, the the Perfect Drug is a final boss fight song. I don't care what sure. what, what it was originally written for, but that I mean, yeah, when you're fighting Kale and doing all those, I was final, hoping for March of the Pigs, but yeah, or yeah, that was bad. But um, but yeah, no, it just <laughs> it, it it picks it and picks and chooses, I think, in very smart ways. So that when it does happen, it does feel special. And I think if it was all licensed, it kind of not that not that it wouldn't have been good. It just wouldn't have felt as, you know, like given it that much of a, you know, punch. This is getting a little off topic, but I think I think there is real criticisms to be made of this game when it does come to pacing. And I think some of the music is part of that. Um, There is Mm -hmm. a uh, particularly and we'll talk about 
le- level design and stuff in a little bit, but when it comes to music, there um, there's one power chord theme that I cannot get out of my head, and it's a theme that plays in the volcano, the, the underground kind of magma area, which is an incredibly long section of gameplay with a lot of platforming, and sometimes and the platforming in this game can be floaty and not that precise. Like you said, you're trying to jump on the beat. Sometimes you miss these platforms, and you can end up replaying a couple sections. And there's just this like this droning kind of power chord in the background, and this level, this section goes on for 20 minutes, and you might mm. you might have 20 minutes where it's just the same like eight measure loop playing over and over without much in the way of ba- you know combat or gameplay in the middle. So some of those original tracks do. S- do better at the loop stuff than the licensed stuff that yeah. kind of naturally has yeah. to repeat because the, the, yeah. the song was only designed to be three and a yeah, half minutes I, long or whatever. I, and so. I completely agree. Actually, this sounds weird, but I think one of the more weaker elements for me from this game is actually the soundtrack. And that's not to say that I dislike <laughs> it. What what it is is because they it has to be so synced up to what is happening in the environment. It's like every track has to be, and the gameplay is 140 beats per minute, which means that every track essentially kind of sounds similar to the last track because there's not a huge amount of yeah. variation in how they can present that now of course different tones different you know um highs and lows they they can play at that for sure but ultimately there is a there is a similarity to the tracks that yeah i i think they could have done more with yeah. variety based on the, so, the the levels where the music was a bit different it proves they could do it um, it's just that I think they wanted to keep a coherent kind of indie rock vibe yeah. and um, and uh, maybe too coherent. I've, I've listened to them outside of the game and actually it's not a soundtrack that I'm just, I, I put on the background because it's kind of like, no, it is a bit same. You know, of course, that the, the mm. licensed music is is reserved for those those you know, those more special moments of, of where the gameplay really wants to hit. And what I will say is they, they do manage to to sync up um like either cutscenes or environmental happenings to that licensed music extremely well um you know you can get things happening exactly on the beat and it and it really adds that layer of kind of like dramaticism that that comes from hearing a a, a simple at the same time as some engineering nightmare to get it all to work so so crisply uh the um the other thing i did want to say as a negative on the the audio side is that I, i did actually get quite irritated and this is not a game you would want to play with somebody else in the room who wasn't playing <laughs> because of the constant uh sort of shouts as you do your attacks <laughs> to show that you're on you're on beat um they i don't think they sound particularly nice and after a while they can get quite grating for me and actually like the the noises that so the the the, the shtick is that your character although he wants to be views himself as a rock star he can't actually play the guitar he ends up with this weapon which is like a flying v attached to his robot arm holding a spanner thing um and it kind of you know that i really like on the audio design front the actual feeling of connection there's a good smack when you hit things audio wise and visually but also there's these kind of whales of guitar which kind of pop out and i think they're supposed to sort of try and sink in with the mm-hmm. music but they often sound a little bit kind of arbitrary and random i yeah. feel like if there was a sequel they could do more with this to really kind of get you in that almost kind of rock band headspace where you you feel like you're kind of uh, conducting the music rather than kind of i i think it would be a real real difficult thing <laughs> to pull off they've already done a lot with this game but um 
I think there are some things there which could have just been a little bit more gratifying, a little bit well, less. It's, it's literally the feedback loop. I mean, that's a musical term, right? So, um, you know, when when you're on top and everything's landing, the you know, there's an energy that comes from making every single one sure. of those hits yeah. land. Yeah, but if yeah, you're yeah. offbeat and Definitely. you hear a guitar go and like and you you get yourself out of time, it yeah, which is. That's very rock band, isn't it? I mean, that's very guitar but hero. Just, that sort of oh. just like guitar hero. It's like, oh god, this has gone from like a euphoric experience to actually exactly. awful yeah, in, yeah. in a matter of seconds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does those things. So this is a game where you're hitting a lot of boxes, right? You're hitting boxes, barrels, or health items, or just mm. gears to to buy stuff, and and it it will emit a note, and that note will be in the scale of whatever song yeah. is playing. Like it does, it match up, but. It does, when you are now like I, my wife sits in the room when I play video games very often, yeah. and so she'd be sitting there and, and I'm just going along all those catwalks and just hitting boxes, and just like bow, boodle doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's just looking up, she's like, "Oh my god!" I'm yeah. like, "I'm like, yeah, I'll put my headphones on." Like, it's fine yeah. for me. Oh, this but, seems like yeah. a game that would be a nightmare to have someone <laughs> else watch you play. Yeah, Completely. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I would have actually been murdered um, if I didn't have a good I, pair of Just before we come off the audio as well, one of the things that, the, the, to me, like a lot of the audio design really does stand out. Cause when I think, when I hear that kind of, there's a siren that goes off like, ah, 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 like it's, it so sounds like everything, you know, I hear it half a dozen times in Hi-Fi Rush. And I'm like, that's Hi-Fi Rush. I could hear that in the background. Just like, yep, someone's playing Hi-Fi Rush. There's some really good audio cues that, that sync up in this game and really show mm. off exactly how good that audio design is. Lamar Fiddy from our Patreon says, I'm a late 90s, early 2000s PS2 kid. And even though there wasn't anything like Hi-Fi Rush available at the time, it feels like this game was made to appeal to me when I was that age. The soundtrack choices exemplify this. I haven't listened to Nine Inch Nails by choice for a good decade, but I was stoked to hear it during the first boss fight. And DeMonth says, uh, things like Hi-Fi Rush are a rare present. Rarely do we see Bayonetta Baby Driver shadow dropped to immediate acclaim. I love the presentation, especially how it transitions from 2D to 3D in cutscenes flawlessly. The penultimate level has been stuck in my head since I played it. And can I just say how incredible of an achievement it is that they made an entire streaming safe version of the soundtrack with songs that match the mood of the original licensed pieces like Good Lord. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Um, we've obviously talked about uh, a little bit about the mechanics already because it naturally came in with with the music. Um, people who have played Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, and games of that ilk will probably be familiar with the controls from most of the sections. Plus, there are novelty sections and and kind of moments inspired by other games, rhythm action games, button prompts, uh, QTE type stuff, and there's some 2D side on stuff as well. Um, I think we should bring back in the level design and pacing conversation. Um, so this will, your mileage will vary as, as Tony's pointed out, because um, there was an article actually written about this game kind of being quite down on the level design. So of the 12 or 13 tracks in this game, I think uh, most of the levels, the first time you play through for me on normal difficulty were 45 minutes to an hour, which I found honestly, a bit of a slog now of course as you replay them you've you know them inside out you're much more powered up and you can breeze through them and it's a very different experience but first time through i honestly thought some of them could have done with a bit of editing uh am i alone no i would agree with that uh, i i think maybe i was a little bit uh more high on them than you were it sounds like but there were definitely a couple uh brian i think you brought up the uh the 
magma level. Yep. Uh, magma. Um, <laughs> and that magma. one was pretty lengthy, and I felt like it dragged a little bit. Most of them, I thought, were pretty much okay. Um, if I can get through a level of something in 45 minutes to an hour, then then that's an okay sitting of a game for me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or it can be, you know, it, it depends on what it is. But, I, yeah, I... I, I um, I wouldn't say that all of them felt that way for me, but I there were definitely a few where it probably could have uh, stood to be slimmed down a little bit from my point of view. It's a it's a combination of factors for me, and I agree. I think the R and D levels are particularly difficult because you play through the magma level and do a bunch of combat encounters, and then the next level you go into an AR simulation of the exact same combat encounters you had before, <laughs> so like they feel very samey. Um, but it's it's everything with the pacing, and, and this is going to sound way more negative than I am on the game. I love this game, but um, everything takes too long in this game. Um, combat's mm. fine. I think it's structured out really well, but um, there's no sprint button, right? It's just those dashes, but you can only do three in a row. So mm. you kind of get into this rhythm of the dash, 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 stop, dash, 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 as you're going down. <laughs> um, hallways are incredibly long um right. so like yeah. just to get around like to, to go the alternate path to get a few boxes or to look for a like a health power up or whatever um it, it takes a while to actually go do that um um i'm thinking specifically of the sewer sections in yeah. uh the museum level leading up to fight the mimosa fight like those mm. sections take they're, they're big wide open sections yeah and there's a lot of platforming and running but you just there's no real way to do it swiftly because everything's timed to the beat now then you add on like those gold statue heads you find, right? So you find these gold statue heads and you you get a bunch of gears out of them. But you don't just hit a button to beat them up. You have to beat these up <laughs> and they take an aggressively long amount of time <laughs> to make explode. Um uh, Corsica's vending machines. Yeah, yeah, vending machines too. Corsica's like uh action to like blow out fire, Three, right? Two, one. You don't just hit a button and it blows out the fire. You gotta wait. For it to get to the right beat, then it counts down three, two, one, and then you've got to do the wheel spinning, bum, 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 little mini game. And if you get mm. that wrong, you've got to re-trigger that entire sequence of events. So it's like, yeah. it's not just that I think the levels are too long. It's just everything takes mm. just a step too long and detracts from what I think is otherwise an incredibly polished yeah. experience. So brisk um, and punchy in so many yes. ways, and yet there's that. It feels to me like it's a kind of a hangover to what was expected of Japanese character action games from the 2000s, mm. like big levels with big, you know, floors you have to walk across. Yeah, and it, it all looks great, you know? It all oh, yeah. it looks yeah. awesome, and things are moving, and you're... Like, and it's fun to explore the nooks yeah, and crannies of the levels. So, but, I love... So I did... Yeah, but, and so... And here's the last thing, and I promise <laughs> I'm going to shut up. Um, but then, but then, like, even, like, see, you're mopping up afterwards, and you finish the game, and you want to go back, you want to do the Spectre yeah. doors, or you want to pick mm -hmm. up the items. The area you might want to, like, the Spectre door in one of the levels is over half an hour into the level yeah. right. just to get to it, and there's no checkpoint gating, so yes. it's not like you can skip to a specific part. These aren't mm -hmm. sandboxes, you know, they're linear point-to-point -point levels. So even the act of going back and playing through again, which I did and enjoyed... Oh yeah. It just takes ju it's just like it's just it's just that extra little step that stops it from being like I'm just going to hop in and do this real quick. There is no hopping into this game and doing it real quick for me. I think that there's still this uh, we've, we've even seen it as we're recording. I can't remember what game it was, but uh there was some tweet. I think you shared it, Brian, 
uh, among us from basically saying this game can't be good because it's this long, you know, this short or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, I think that's still that even the idea that that still lingers is, is absolutely staggering. Oh yeah. That, that to was me. Um, about Hell, Hellblade, wasn't it? Um, right. Sequel, yeah. yeah like, Hellblade, yeah, which seven, isn't even out seven, eight yet, hours so, long. Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. You know, it's seven, takes seven yeah, years. Of, yeah. yeah. So we've decided that yeah. game is, you know, and yeah, if you only want to, because if you've bought a, $60 game and it lasted you 200 hours and that's the only thing you expect now then fine at least you've been told uh, that that so game isn't for you but I have but, a game for you it's yeah, called but, uh, oh the, the Starfield so, so yep. I, I yeah 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 so, so my defence of what that article it was it was asking for a game that was maybe different than what they wanted which is fine whatever my, my, uh, well my point is just before before you carry on my point was that a developer such as Tango Gameworks may have preempted that sort of talk by you know, they could theoretically said, yeah, we could make these levels a bit punchier, but then the game will be eight hours long and people will be going, oh, this game's only eight hours. It can't okay, be any so, good. So I think it's there's there's a few issues here. So for me, you know, my first run through was like 13 hours because I was looking for everything and trying to collect everything. And, you know, I did, I to be honest, there was some of that feeling like these are bigger levels than I was expecting. But I think one of the reasons why the levels are maybe a slightly longer than you would expect is because there is a lot of dialogue that's happening in between those intensive kind of, you know, fights. There, there's a lot of dialogue to get to know someone yeah, like Mimosa. That's why I said yeah, first so time. Yeah, so time you get time. to the Mimosa fight, although you're only in her presence for a few minutes, like you feel like, you know, you've gotten to know her through different intersexual dialogue elements that have come from the screens or around you, right, from, boss, yeah. from, you know, side characters that are just talking to you, you know, you know, robots shivering in the corner because they're going to be sent to it, like stuff like that. And I think, sure. I, so it's in service so of I, the story. Personally, and the I think that levels are designed yeah. like that because there is a, a a story element, and it's not just an arcade game. What our argument was was mm. how would this game feel if it was just an arcade game? And I think if you took mm. out the story element and left it with just this, like. <laughs> You know, a lot of people kind of describe this kind of like lost dreamcast era. Just, you know, just cut out that stuff and yeah. turn it into like this action arcade game. Well, Jet Set Radio had plenty yeah, of but I, I just, stops for talking. I just feel like it, it would lose a lot of the charm that, that, that what Hi-Fi Rush has. Now, to say that, I blasted through this game, you know, I'd say on my full time, I completed the game in around seven hours. Because yeah, yeah. ultimately, I'm taking the path. Like, I know where I'm going. I'm cutting through stuff. I'm skipping dialogue. Like you can get through this game in a, that kind of. No, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like the pacing, long term, is the the levels aren't yeah, that long. But, but for most people, they aren't going to play the game multiple to, to times. To agree, what Brian said. When you're first playing it and you walk down a corridor and then you walk down another corridor and you walk down a third corridor and there's nothing that happens apart from there's a few pictures on the wall. You're like, huh? But there is a, a few. Yeah, there's a, there's yeah. there's story explanation that's kind of happening around you. I think there there is a tighter game to be had in here, but I also don't think this this would need to go to a full arcade. Just here's the the central beat and get on with it and have fun. I think I think there's somewhere. I think there is a, there is a place where they could have perhaps tighten things up while keeping mm-hmm. all the character that I don't, I don't think you needed all the uh, quite all the traversal to, to necessarily still sell the characters. There are games that are much shorter than this that have, you know, just as kind of rich character development and interaction without sort of uh, making you walk down endless and uh, not endless. Endless is unfair. <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's, it could have it's, been it's literally yeah. like, yeah, it's just tight. Yeah, tighter. I think I I just feel like it would benefit the entire experience if it was as as Leah said, like it would be 
I mean, as you say, it is a, it's a seven hour game or less probably once you're really, really, really tooled it, up and really good at it. But the first time it's 12, 13 What I will say is when, when you turn it into a seven hour game, it's turned up to 11 pretty much for seven hours. Like there's because mm. you're just skipping through so much of the stuff. It's just like fight, 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 fight. And it's like, geez. No, no, I'm not, I, no, I think you're misunderstanding no, no, no. how I tighten it up. OK. Yeah. yeah. No, no, just, I don't think I just make it all fight. No, just cut down those corridors a bit. And yeah. Well, and so, and some of the fights, yeah. like some of the re- the repetitive combat arenas, and uh, some of the yeah the 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 less fun challenges, and like Brian said, like the some of the QTs are just that little bit longer than you feel like they they ought to be. Alex seventy nine is uh, is slightly uh, more down on the game than generally we've been up to this point. Alex says each individual component of Hi Fi Rush suggests this was a game built especially for me. Third-person combat, rhythm action, lovely cell-shaded style graphics and a banging soundtrack featuring my favourite band ever, Nine Inch Nails. So why didn't I love it? The game started so well, I felt, but I quickly became tired of the endless dialogue dumps and couldn't skip past them fast enough. I enjoyed the combat at the start of the game, but it quickly became overly complicated with difficult parries and too many combos that I couldn't remember and I just kind of drifted away from the game and never went back. I know in my own head that I gave up too quickly with this game, when Game Pass has so much else to offer, it can be hard to keep pushing against something that isn't giving back what you want. I may go back one day, but I feel like I'd need to restart the entire game to get back into the flow of things. And to be perfectly honest, the idea does not appeal to me. I mean, it sounds like you were neither enjoying the gameplay nor the characters, <laughs> so I can't see yeah. as much for you to go back to. Like, If it was one or the other, we could say... Um, like if it was the characters and the con- you know the cartoon that you're enjoying, just turn the accessibility settings on and don't need to learn combos, or yeah, or just skip all the cutscenes and play the combat. But it sounds like neither thing was clicking for you, so um, yeah, fine, bin it off. <laughs> it's okay to not like yeah. things sometimes. Exactly, but it, it but it can be disappointing. As sure, no, under- understandable. Blue Weasel Breath from a forum says the levels were a bit long, but I was enjoying the moment to moment gameplay experience, especially smashing things so much that I didn't mind. I will say that while I really liked the re- uh, music slash rhythm angle, for whatever reason, I had trouble with the particular implementation of the beat here. As a lifelong musician, I'm not sure why, but I just could not get above a B or C rating ever on the timing of the battles. Maybe I overcomplicate the beat or hit too many poly- polyrhythms. But my perception is that every single button press is bang on rhythm and yet I'm still being told I suck. Really demoralising stuff and it prevented me from trying the high level post game challenges. But if I ignore that aspect and just play the game, I have a super fun time. We should talk about calibration. (laughs) I I was just going to say, I wonder if it's oversimplifying things to say maybe you should try calibrating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it depends, you know, don't know what age of screen you've got or what you've got it plugged through, but um, audio uh, lag is real. And there is this game doesn't actually give you a comprehensive tool with which to set it up. As no, I it's recall. in the settings. Yeah. Oh, is it? I was going to say, it's, it's kind of surprising. If yeah, it there, there's a whole calibration thing in the that. settings. You go look for it. Yeah, I actually redid that midway through my very hard run, and it turns out that I was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I'm not saying that that's impossible, but you know, it's and and to uh, to the to that point, like it is, it's a different skill set and an overlapping skill set to be sure, but it's a different skill set to do 
musical rhythm than it, mm. it like actual physical musical rhythm than it is to do a rhythm game. Um, I, my mother, who is a, uh, band director and has been mm. for 40 years, right. um, I tried to get her to play Guitar Hero once and it just <laughs> did not work at all. <laughs> no, like it, no. it's, it's just, it's a slightly different part of your brain. And like for yeah. some people it, you know, it translates perfectly for some people it doesn't. And for yeah, some people so it true. only goes part of the way. Mm. And you know, that's just part of the thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So we've briefly mentioned uh, upgrade chips and character development in passing. Uh, as with, again, games of the genre, if you're familiar with Devil May Cry, Bayonetta and that type of thing, you basically buy moves with currency, the in-game currency. This time it's not rings or orbs or shards. It's uh, it's garbage. It's gears, boxes of gears, which mm. are floating around everywhere in a very traditional video game style. Um, you can also rack up more of these by doing bonus sections and various other things uh and you buy you you go to the shop and you buy your moves um and then i guess it's you decide how many you want to try to remember and learn there's also your you've got your uh, support characters who pop in and out with uh you select them with the left trigger and bring them in with the right trigger they have a cooldown which you can affect with your upgrade chips um so yeah there's quite a lot going on here uh what needs to be said Tony? um i think probably if you're if you haven't seen it, the the support characters are there to when in combat. There's elements of the of um, combat that needs to be solved by using those support characters. So, for instance, uh, Peppermint is one of your characters, and she has this ability to break shields. Um, so you'll have characters around the the arena that have shields, and obviously you bring her in and use her special ability to take down that shield, depending on what upgrade ships you've gone. Depends how more frequency or how powerful she can be. Uh, Macron has his ability to break what you call Z shields, which essentially is just like heavy armor. And you cannot literally kill uh, any character if they've got Z shields up without using that ability. They'll just bounce off all your attacks. So yep. you have to remember to, to juggle these. Corsica has this ability to put out flames, which is less useful, but she, the, uh, um, the, the... She can also kind of stun well, say, yes. or... So, um... Yeah, build up that meter on some enemies. Um, the the other part of that is you have uh, a set of special moves and then almost like a power move. So you can have uh, like a special move yourself. It's like an overdrive move. Press both control sticks down and essentially go through a mm. button thing, but you need to build up that meter. Uh, you have uh, other moves, uh, other special moves that are linked to either Peppermint, Macaron or Corsica at any one time. And they're... Oh, are, they, are they called um, jam moves? Aren't they? I think they're called. So... Ultimately, yep, moves, yep. uh, you can have all the way up to four segments. And the way you get build up uh, the ability to use those segments is by engaging in combat. Um, and once you build up a segment, you can then pull off one of these jam moves. And the jam moves are great because they only ever use a single segment. So you, that's fairly easy to build up. Some of the more ridiculous moves, um, you need to build up all four segments, which is actually relatively hard to do. And actually what's really annoying is that after every battle, you lose all those segments unless you collect them out in a See, wild. I like that because I am definitely the person who would build up the meter and then just save it until a boss. <laughs> this way, <laughs> just since use you it. know you're going to lose it. Yeah, you know you're going to lose it. It actually incentivizes you to use it during yeah pretty much any combat because yeah. so, so the, no point there, in saving it. there's a very rock paper scissors element to the combat where you know there will be something on the on the playfield that you need to interact you need to break to then 
stun that enemy or get rid of that enemy to unlock because they might be shielding the other enemies around, etc., etc. Uh, and the chip system is just essentially stuff you buy that allows you to either support the character you like the most or buy all the stuff for yourself or, or get more cogs or get more... There, there's one, once you've completed the game, that allows you to have 100%, 150% damage or, but the downside is you take 150% damage. Last yeah, game, so yeah. that stuff's like, it's it's fun to play with because it's, you know, you can kill bosses in two hits, but anything touches you and you're dead. So it's, it's that's good fun. So I got the chips which uh, basically power up the health pickups. So uh, I upgraded that three times. So it's like a three-star mm-hmm. chip, added the slots. And then it basically means that every time you, like... Uh, do sufficient damage on an enemy they spurt out some various of your various resources that you need and if it includes the green stuff which is your health then because uh, basically i hate dying and having to redo <laughs> bits so so just staying alive and also the special move i favored is the one where you drink a can of health See, basically it's, and it's, uh, get yourself back it's quite to funny because that was the stuff i went with first time around playing the game is yeah, I yeah. To, of course it will as change you, yeah. as you progress and you certainly play the game for a second third fourth time like you don't go anywhere near that. You're just all about yeah. maximum damage, damage all the time. So you yeah, can get into a really yeah. good state where enemies you kill will drop back batteries, but you've also got maximizing the amount of energy that gives those batteries. So you can find yourself yeah. in a scenario where you're constantly just spamming jam moves over and over, like pinging people up in the air, gaining enough spam jam moves. And you can you can go into what used to be a combat arena on the first time round, which mm. you know, could yeah. take three or four minutes and be done in 20 seconds because you've just learned yeah, yeah. those various yeah. uh, aspects of why the game really yeah. works. Yeah. I mean, anyone who, again, and I keep harping on about it, but anyone who did play like Bayonetta in that way of trying to go back through for p- pure platinums, you'll recognize the, the, the sort of the pattern of play yeah, mm-hmm. where these combat encounters that initially seem really intimidating and almost like a, you know, they'll introduce a new enemy on your first playthrough and it feels like a mini boss and then on your third, fourth playthrough, it just feels like a sponge you, you that just, you can flip. You just get better at understanding what requires to save your kind of more impressive moves. If something comes into the playfield, you're like, okay, I've got to take that thing down first because that I don't, I'm sure everybody here, the flying claw beast thing would wipe me out. Even now, just uh, frustrating. You know, it mm. always seems to hit. But within that ele- element, you know, sometimes you have these little mini bosses that have special attacks that you end up in like this this um, button press combo yeah. thing, With um, action, which yeah. can be challenging if you if you've not mm-hmm. if you're not up for it. I found it really talking about nailing the timing. Like my timing, although as I say, was only moderate throughout. I I tested on various sections to make sure that the calibration was decent enough. But I had a real problem doing the finishing move on those uh, on those ones yeah. where you you deflect the the attacks and be like x x rb x oh yeah Yeah. and and then you have to do a a coup de gras and that was the the only thing in the game that i just could not never but seldom time well i don't know why i don't know if the the game takes your input slightly differently for those or whatever but it wasn't 100 percent failure but it was uh it was frustrating watching that indicator fading out rather than the, the nice uh, animation of you beheading something. The, the parry is a really, really like completely overpowered move, but actually takes a long yeah. time to to get down. Yeah, yeah. Demonth from our forum says, "My only complaint: I wish parrying was unlocked at the beginning because that's when the game flow really locks in." Yeah, no, I would say that. So the 
philosophy of having those healing items and special moves at the at the playing on normal the first time. I followed that, and then on, when I played on hard, I went till you try to do as much damage as possible. When I played on very hard, I went kind of turtled back up into the way <laughs> I originally played the game, uh, and okay, I had yeah. the healing item on me, and then you can actually upgrade each individual chip. So after you buy the chips, you can upgrade them to make them more powerful. Yeah. So I upgraded the one to take up all three chip slots at once. It was the macaron one that it, it gives a there's a 50% chance he'll deal double damage, and the knockback is, is bigger. So when things get overwhelmed, I would hit Macaron, knock everybody back, and then special move my healing item to kind of, like, give myself a breather, for lack of a better term. Um, so that worked out pretty well, and then I just kind of had my three or four combos that I that I worked with. But the thing that I really like about the gameplay when it came to the difficulty changes is that it telegraphs you, it tells you right off the bat what the difficulty change is going to mean for you. Like, this one enemy is going to do more damage, and... Yeah. Um, and enemies have more health. Like you, you kind of know what you're getting into, and it allows you to adapt that to your playstyle however you want. Um, playing on very hard, it was difficult, mm. but it was it never felt unfair, which I think is a really tough balance to strike. Um, it's it was there only if you wanted to engage with it. I nobody forced me to hit the very hard button. You know what I mean? Like and and getting into it, it did require a level of technical proficiency that I didn't necessarily have when it came to comboing. But through the things like chips and upgrades and special moves, I was able to build myself a chai that allowed me to limp through these battles in a way that got me to see the end, which I appreciated mm. having all those mm. options because, you know, I think that in certain other games it, in similar genres, a character action genres, like very hard is just very hard and you either got it or you don't. And this right. game allows you to kind of maybe, mm. you know, skew things one way or another to give yourself a chance. To yeah. Well, the element of it is you can actually just push, go through this game by using probably a single combo and, you know, and you'd be done with it. Like the, on the lower difficulties, you can do that. Some of the higher difficulties, there is some moves that I hadn't even come across and kind of doing research where there's some massive crowd control moves where you do literally pull the entire arena away from you to give you that, that sense of breathing space to come back again. There's some really like... Mm. There's one I saw earlier. It's like this purple sphere dome that happens and hits everything in this area. And I'm like, I haven't, I haven't wow. even haven't even come across that. You know, I've probably unlocked it because I've brought most things. But I value. But yeah, that's like, and you look and it's like, okay, well, it's a four tier one. So there's a lot of energy you need to do to get there. And but it's um yeah, it's it's a really interesting um layers of of um, controllability that 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 can play into it. The more you kind of want to engage it, or the less. Yeah, I was actually interested to hear, um, and this made me think about this, something Brian said. Um, I obviously used my uh, support characters, but I used them more as, like, means of solving the combat puzzle. Mm. So, like, you know, if something has a shield that needs to be broken by one or the other of the characters, I'd call them in. If there's something that's setting itself on fire, I'd call in Corsica, you know, that mm. that kind of thing. I never really used them that much in just in combat, just to support me in combat. Um, so I, I guess I was just looking to see, like, if other people did that or if that was yeah. more just like a, a higher difficulty level type of thing. Or I don't think you need like to, but it no. really builds, uh, it can really build your numbers up. So, for instance, if you bring in uh, Peppermint and she shoots pew, 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 every pew is a hit. So it kind of all plays into your score. So actually, when I was I was playing one of the post-game modes earlier, which is the BPM mode, and it actually was going on too long. I was neither progressing nor dying on the setup that I had, so I quit out. But I got up to 185 BPM and it only goes up to 200. 
And actually what I was finding was the, the best way to kind of get the BPM to rise was pretty much spamming the support characters. So, uh, so right trigger cycle to the next one, right trigger cycle to the next one, and just keep kind of doing that as part of your regular, yeah regular combo routine. Um, and because it just, it's just all adding hits. Obviously it does, it does make sense. And if you're cooler and cleverer and craftier, you can actually remember to bring them in at the right time. But if a if a if an arena is throwing every type of enemy at you anyway, some are on fire, some are in shields, etc. You might as well just keep bringing yeah, everybody ne- in. Next time you play it, when you've got that ability, when you've got ruckus. the round circle that comes in, if you've got a chunk of of energy or um, bar filled up, just pull the right trigger. Whatever character you've got at that point, just activates mm. a jam mode. And just from the visual flair, it's awesome because ultimately you've got two people doing ridiculous stuff on screen. But one of the more kind of more fun things if you use something like Corsica she she gets enemies into the air and with the air hook there's the ability to basically go into the air juggle some of the bigger kind of mini bosses and never let them actually hit the ground so you at, at yeah. which point you're invulnerable from attack they're you know they're you're doing damage to them and also those special moves you can bypass any attack being done on you so the moment you get that even one of the the kind of sub bosses that go into that kind of special mode where they spike out and want to hit you you can actually just bypass that with a special attack and actually get them up into the air and juggle them. And even though they're in a full special attack, be doing damage to them and actually break them out of that combo, which is a combo that you could don't really want to get into in the first place because they can really destroy you on certainly on the, the higher difficulties. So there's once again, there's some, there's a there's a low floor, but also a high ceiling if you want to get that. And stuff like the Spectra Doors, which is this extra thing you do at the back end of the game, and even some of the DLC, they're very you know specifically designed to use a a singular character to do something or you need to do it within a certain time or you need to juggle and you can only do it you know four or five hits and it actually teaches yeah, defeat all these enemies without moving the left stick yeah so it, you know it, stuff it like literally that. yeah it teaches you <laughs> how to ultimately use those characters to the very to the very limits and some of that spectral i know you mm. gave up on it brian that spectral stuff but yeah that well, no, I did the so much like you, Tony. I'm an achievement guy, so I did the like the, <laughs> the eight that were in the levels, and I'm they're like, okay, you up, open the last spectrum. I'm like, I got one more to do. Then I go to this hub, and there's eight more, <laughs> and they're all crazy like more difficult. Yeah. I'm like, I have topped out. Have fun, there it is. Sucker. Yeah. I, yep. I screamed at a couple, but I got there good. in the end. But yeah, <laughs> oh, nice one. Uh, before we talk a bit more about the achievements, uh, we should talk a little bit more about the bosses. I think, uh, obviously, uh, usually a, a key feature of games of this uh, genre. Well, the character action genre, if not the rhythm action genre, although sometimes um, they tend to be big set piece show pieces. And uh, I think for, for the most part, no exception here. I actually found, although they were because there's so much kind of lightness of touch and comedy in this game, none of them actually kind of, you know, truly intimidated me but actually when some of them first appear because of the the art being kind of so bold and stuff so like for instance when Roquefort (laughs) first transforms into a giant metal werewolf creature uh, uh, that was actually like whoa I'm actually a bit scared of this guy Um, but then luckily you know the fight tends to for or tended to for me playing on normal as a mediocre player um, boiled down to you know traditional video game boss fight tropes of observing and mm. taking opportunities. Um, there's a lot of community. I mean, one of the thing, good things about the, the characters support characters being so chatty is that they, without being kind of insulting, 
they, there is a kind of constant process of maybe you know let's try this let's uh th- this looks like this ought to work kind of thing it's not quite slippy toed but um that sort of that sort of yeah. thing so yeah they they all to me they all felt like I, I don't think too many of them took me more than a couple of goes on on the aforementioned settings but i enjoyed them you know they were rather than being frustrating they were mostly spectacle Mm -hmm. i said the one i i brought this up earlier but the one that always gives me or that has given me trouble in both of mm -hmm. my runs was uh mimosa and Mm. i think that it's because she has like very specific patterns in the like you can't always Mm. hurt her like you can or or at least i the way that i was doing this fight and and maybe there's something Uh, once she's once once she's electrified you can't touch her it's yeah yeah Yeah, like you have to you have to do the this is one of the ones where it's really beneficial to know how to parry and (laughs) i am middling at the Mm. parry mechanic like i'm not terrible i can do it but it's not i'm I'm very inconsistent so it it was something that i didn't um jive with as much as uh maybe i needed to to make that fight a little bit more smooth but um it was a neat fight i just felt like it went on for too long which maybe is a pattern <laughs> um yes yeah, so um Zanso is another funny fight mainly because that's a fight that you don't end up having ever happen ever happen to have at the end of it yes the old uh, <laughs> fake out boss fight yeah, um yeah, but yeah. you get to know Zanso quite a bit before that actually happens um which is very funny essentially spends always uh his budget before he gets to go into a super mech suit. Literally the last second. <laughs> it's the equivalent of uh, Earthworm Jim knocking a goldfish off a pedestal. <laughs> that was that was that boss fight. Uh but then yeah, QA one mil uh is the uh is the big boss, uh big big metal robot boss that uh very telegraphed. Which is fine. And... Exactly probably the, the fight yeah, you yeah, need totally, at the start, yeah. which is hit hit his glowy hands. <laughs> yeah. But thank God for massively oversold animations mm-hmm. rather than ones that you have to, you know, have the eyes of a hawk to actually spot. Although, you know, Brian, as a uh, as a punch out uh, mm. expert, you, you probably quite like it when it's really <laughs> subtle. Like you have to yeah. watch for one of them winking at you from 4,000 yards away. That's probably why I like the Kale boss fight the most, honestly. Right. It's because, uh, like, so the one thing I do appreciate about that Kale boss fight is that I love how, like, they have that really kind of endearing yet cheesy soliloquy that uh, Chai has to kind of break oh, out of that so good. prison cube they're in. <laughs> and then and then you get to the final boss fight with Kale, and it's all about calling in your part, your friends to help you, you know, at the specific yeah. moments. and. And it, it's a really good showcase, and a lot of final boss fights have lost this over the years, and I, God knows I don't know how to design them, so I wouldn't do any better, but like, it's a really good showcase of all the skills you had learned up to this point. And sometimes it's not just like the most recent skill you had, it's it's really using everything, and and the only thing that I, I would complain about is that there are a couple of those like QTE events to end it mm-hmm. that, are, that can get a little frustrating, but... But in general, when when he when he breaks out with the Doctor Octopus arms, and one of them is flame, one of them is Z shield, and one of them is peppermints, yeah. things like I I love that section. You know, just kind of timing it and dodging, and then hitting the right thing at the right time. It it definitely scratches that punch out. It's for yeah, me. and his final uh, line is, "Oh, screw this! It's just too much work. Like too much work. Yeah, it's just too much work." Yeah. Uh, also, as um, j- just to back up to the, uh, I- I'd actually forgotten about this, but uh, the the QA robot, 
Um, as somebody who manages a QA team, I would love to have a giant robot <laughs> yeah. that I could just send out to, to do things for me. So um, I, if anybody can build me that, uh, get so in touch. Ha- as a podcast colleague of yours, I don't want you to have a giant scary robot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not QAing you. His quality control is it's defected, breaks it in the trash, move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on a, a, this is, quite picky and uh but it was it was relevant because it surprised me but the very very final uh everyone teams up and does a traditional rhythm action button prompt scrolling across the screen uh thing to finish off the final fight uh that actually ran really jerkily for me (laughs) and i don't know like the the buttons were the button prompts were kind of lurching across the screen a bit not in a I, i think almost to a to a point that maybe some people wouldn't notice but as a somebody who kind of has a a relatively keen eye for that stuff it was a bit bit jarring and this game that's been like so incredibly slick and smooth up to this point it it didn't stop me completing it I, it was not I, a major issue but it was just a funny i always find it funny does everyone anyone else ever notice this when sometimes you complete an amazing triple a massive budget game and then when the credits scroll at the end it's really jerky <laughs> And you're like, what? All that? And then that's how what you do that. I was going to say about those scenes as well, those ones in particular where you're you're utilising everyone around you. This is always the way, and it's the same as when Rock Band, there's so much going on the screen that I'm sure is amazing, but I'm mm. so laser focused on making sure I hit the button correctly. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what's going on in the background. Sounded amazing no. though. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you can always watch uh, watch somebody else playing it on YouTube for, for the full effect. Uh, anything else on the on the game before we talk a little bit more about achievements and post-game stuff anything else uh i i have one other thing in my notes that that i wanted to bring up uh and it's that it's one of the uh side characters that to my knowledge i i don't know if it you probably never actually have to talk to them Mm -hmm. and um i don't know if i missed the kind of ending to to the whole thing but um there's a pair of robots (laughs) and one of them is clearly supposed to be the protagonist from the evil within oh um, i yeah, didn't like get that i was trying something. to work out who they were supposed to be right okay. yeah well it, it's him because the the uh, character's name is sebastian so seb yeah i i it's the the other one the little one who's with him is mm. i i think supposed to be his like companion but i can't remember what that guy's name is and i didn't look it up so um I, <laughs> Talk, I don't talking about life but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, see that? That's crazy because I've played both of those games and yet I was just, I was thinking it was some um, reference to something outside of gaming for some reason. So, I, yeah, I got completely sidetracked. Very funny. Though. What a what a doofus. Um, anyway, right. that's, that was the only other thing that I was <laughs> bring up. Good thing. Um, achievements then. Uh, so, yeah, I think I've ended the game with about, uh, I'm trying to look where it tells me on this list, about half of them maybe um through playing normally and completing the game once um there's the usual stuff and there's some cumulative stuff for killing a lot of things and whatever that you probably eventually get but uh, as probably tony and brian can attest um i think leah's probably more like me in that you're happy to get them and pop them as they come up but you're not necessarily likely to go back to the game and it's something that i've zeroed in on in on as something that i really want to platinum see you know final right. fantasy 13 to bloodborne <laughs> yeah. theater rhythm uh yeah. but no i i did not keep track yeah. of achievements for this so, can so I, yeah uh, one, one of the biggest complaints and i know tony's gonna completely agree with me 
You beat this game on normal. You know what doesn't unlock? <laughs> the easy achievement. You have to play through every level. I'm not doing it. I refuse. <laughs> I'm, I, as much as I am an achievement junkie, they I do am. do not stack. Unless I was going for the full thousand points, which I know I'm not going to go for all of that, um, I, I wouldn't go for that. I just, the I only thing is, what I would oh. say on that, because it crossed my mind as well, I noticed that earlier, um, you could at least go back through it, basically cream it off in, a, in about five hours, six oh, sure, hours yeah. after a playthrough, and you would also contribute to all the other cumulative yeah. ones and pro- probably pop any of those yeah. that you didn't already have. So, yeah, but yes, it's a strange oversight. I thought it was kind of mandatory these days that easy yeah. and normal... Not stacking achievements is awful. Stack. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what? I'm looking now. Um, 57 out of 71. So... Okay. Large proportion. God, come on, Tony. Um, a large. Yeah, I looked at. I compared with Tony's earlier. I think um, as uh, I was looking at his achievements compared to mine too. I think I was. I'm at something like 600 and something gamer score out of a thousand. But I'm not going back. I got the. I basically replayed some extra levels last night just to get the 1,000 robots. Um, taken out, and then I. I think I'm. Stopping no, the, there. the the achievements right. are fun. There's 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 the typical stuff of like you say, just cumulative of killing things. But there's also stuff like you know don't get hit in a level um which was a fun one to go for you know just just mm. utilizing all your skill set um there's a lot of the collectibles mm. find everything which you know they take that's taken a, a big chunk of time but you get to see all the nooks and crannies and all the little secrets and find that the guys talking yeah. about all this different stuff and some of those are a pretty high achievement ranges so you know they you know a lot of people haven't actually seen that stuff which has been fun but there's a few that are just beyond my skill level um and i'm looking like at yeah. a few now which is you know i've messed around with river master difficulty and i've done a few levels but i know some of that mm. that final stuff would be relatively difficult so i'm probably not gonna yeah. but there's also one that's called complete the wall of fame in the hideout which essentially is oh, yeah. Like you do, you have to do every level without being hit and stuff like that. Like, you know, some ridiculous stuff. Oh, once you, I'm okay with that stuff because once I've seen it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm never going to get that and that's fine. And I then I can just kind of relax a little bit. But um, some of the DLC stuff is extremely yeah, hard. Yeah, they added as a well. bunch of, um, for the arcade challenge update, which added uh, some modes, uh, tower modes, and uh, yeah, just basically kind of horde mode type things um, yeah i noticed that true achievements has uh has a total like 100 percent completion time of 60 to 80 hours for the main yeah. game and eight to 10 hours for the dlc but obviously that presupposes the capability of, of doing it uh which is why these times uh, are always free 390 people completed it out of all the, the they yeah. track on there so you know whew. yeah yeah. There's also an in-game um, kind of achievement mm-hmm. system, and that I did engage with a little bit, mm. not to the point really where I was like going out and redoing things to uh, to to check them off. But you have like this mural yeah, wall, in your yeah, um, yeah in your uh, kind of hideout that starts to fill out as you do stuff. But more importantly, for me at least, was that if you do these challenges, they reward you with bolts and mm-hmm. such that then you can. Sometimes yeah. kind of like high amounts of bolts. Like I would come back and say, okay, just collect everything. Yeah, and yeah. then I would be able to pay for, you know, an- another couple of chip upgrades or whatever, yeah. uh, just from the rewards. Yeah. That that would it all feeds so. into one central kind of yeah. element of you find more, you get more. It's just, it's that. So mm-hmm. yeah, good fun. And a lot of cosmetics as well. Oops, and in yeah. fact, the only DLC for the game was uh deluxe edition pass, which is basically 
or you can buy them separately a, a bunch of cosplay cosmetics but actually the game's got stacks of them in there that you can unlock and choose even from the beginning you've got alternate <laughs> there's costumes a t-shirt for which people. is i brought the dlc and all i got was this stupid t-shirt that you can wear <laughs> <laughs> i i did yeah. beat very hard kale while dressed as the shark <laughs> yeah. still that was fun uh, <laughs> so so i joked before even so like 808 i constantly have a set of cat ears on just because it makes me laugh um yeah. i yeah. constantly have a set of cat ears on my character because it makes me smile my guitar is a pizza shaped uh, guitar because yeah, yeah. once again it makes me smile and so many of the mm-hmm. characters you know you can dress them tons of costumes you can dress them up into different outfits or left right and center and you can be crazy and it, it turns into that kind of mega man-esque you know just having ridiculous um costumes going on um which yeah damn damn good fun <laughs> and just yeah it's not serious and it that's partly what makes a smile on your face because yeah. you can go around dressed as a shark and just laugh at it and it and it Peppermint and 808 can cosplay as one another, which I yeah. think is very adorable. <laughs> Shields from our forum says, Cards on the table. I'm a lapsed drummer. And in theory, rhythm games should be my bread and butter. But from Elite Beat Agents to the dance-off in Pikuniku. Is that how you say that? Pikunik? Um I'm dreadful at them. I've never said it out loud before. And I put that down, says Shields, to those games being about matching the melody, not the beat. Enter Hi-Fi Rush, a game that hit me like a ton of bricks with searingly high-resolution 60fps, jet-set radio, eye-popping graphics, the likes of which I'd never seen before. A soundtrack that opens strong and continued to be brilliant, and a gameplay loop designed effectively to tickle every single receptor in my brain with fun platforming and over-the-top boss fights. With loads of cogs to collect, fun graffiti to discover, fun platforming and satisfying kill rooms, and those cutscenes that ooze style all merge to create an incredible experience that I didn't think Xbox had the confidence to release. The only problem was the parrying, something I disliked and spent the 14 hours never being able to nail. One of the freshest games and funniest new IPs in decades. I praise indeed, even if you didn't nail the... We didn't nail it either. Well, no, me and I Leah didn't. did. <laughs> Mark FM 007 from the forum says Hi-Fi Rush is a real delight. It has a fun and easygoing nature. Its bright comic art and stylistic effects are quietly impressive and its campaign surprisingly engaging and well-paced. The comedy and evocation of nostalgia never felt anachronistic or cynical to me. While not every joke is a winner, many had me smiling or laughing out loud. There are some cr- uh, memorable moments and bosses. I loved Corsica and Roquefort. And some cracking needle drops, Nine Inch Nails, The Prodigy, The Black Keys, etc. The soundtrack itself mostly has a simple garage rock style that feels well suited to the game, if a bit repetitive and unadventurous at times. I wouldn't have minded a little more variation. The gameplay is a nice mix of rhythm action, platforming and grappling, zip lining that I found very enjoyable. The action can get a bit hectic for me at times, but for the most part was excellent. It's fun regardless And when you really nail the beats and combos, it's so satisfying and joyful. I'm not very musical and was able to hold my own on hard mode. And the game is very accommodating in its presentation and tutorialization. I liked the platforming parts too, even if they were a bit stiff. Overall, Hi-Fi Rush, not perfect. And it definitely feels aimed at the aging millennial guilty. (laughs) But I'd happily recommend it to anyone for the no frills fun time and feel that it deserves to be counted with the best of a very year of gaming uh that that guilty was uh was within the text not me i am not a millennial i am gen x 
Well, um, aren't you special? No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just disaffected. I think the other three of us would probably qualify as elder millennials, but... Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it confuses me, that whole thing. To me. I don't know. It's hard to say. These um, kids shake my cane. <laughs> Yell at Cloud. Right. Uh, we've also got some three-word reviews. You can still follow us on social media places. Alex79 says, a near miss. Wongif says, lost Dreamcast game. Ludo FM says, pulsing, playful panache. A zap to the past, bright, bold beats. Bearfish Pie says, beats and beatdowns. Pierre Pressure. It's a good name. Dance Dance DMC. Kess 86 says, high five rush. Uh, Button Bash Brothers. Absolutely hilariously fantastic. WTF DYW Pod says toe tapping triumph. Very good. Thanks, everybody. We're not using the AI ones that uh, that Brian got <laughs> generated for us I before. That, <laughs> that yeah. was a thought Maybe experiment. I'm not <laughs> make those a Patreon exclusive. Um, right. That brings us to summary time. I think I'll go first. I think I again, uh, as with a recent show, it's not that I have anything astonishingly negative to say about the game i think i've just played it the least uh so yeah i had a an enjoyable time playing hi-fi rush uh it took actually a, i think it took a little while for me to to really get into it um like it was fun to start with but i didn't it didn't feel anything special and actually uh criminally i think the first time i played it i didn't even have the sound up properly so the, yeah, it, it totally benefits headphones. This game really does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it benefits headphones. Uh, it benefits. Yeah, and uh, it benefits your uh, <laughs> cohabitants and neighbors' headphones as well. Um, yeah, it's a game. It, it it's it's a game that kind of belies its uh, the the way it landed with us uh, in in such a surprising way because um, yeah, the production values of this game are really, I mean, just top tier. Uh, it's it's priced as a mid-price game which i think is a pretty generous decision mm -hmm. given kind of the amount of content here as we've said there's a really uh, nice kind of um gentle onboarding if you want it lots of accessibility options if you just want to kind of bash bash your way through uh, a fun cartoon with some fun music tracks and see the story and you know smash everything off screen you can do that but if you want to go all the other way and uh play it on the hardest difficulty settings where you get failed for not even walking correctly <laughs> to the beat and, uh, and certainly, uh, yeah, not learning, uh, not having, uh, yeah. If you, if you haven't basically learned every single mechanic and got your brain around all that stuff. And yeah, if you do play it like that, I think, um, based on my middling experience of it, as in playing it on normal as a, as a mediocre player, I could certainly feel some of that rush that I got from, some of my favorite rhythm action games and character uh action games um but i was yeah nowhere near kind of getting the same astonishing endorphin rushes as i would from say uh rock band on you know expert or whatever um but that's that's on me i think the game i think the game probably does afford that if if you get there but it will take probably Quite a lot of effort. I'm sure if work. you look on YouTube, um, there's somebody that's beating Hi-Fi Rush with a bloody guitar hero guitar. There normally is, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Um, that's the way to play it. Uh, 
so yeah, this game reminds me of a lot of other cool older games um, in both rhythm action and character action genres. And I, I don't think it really, you know, it doesn't fall horribly short of all of them. A few little caveats about pacing and um, the music perhaps could have been a bit more varied and things like that. But um, but overall, especially, you know, after completing it and coming away watching the, the really quite sweet and heartfelt end sequence, um, it feels actually, it feels mean to to say anything too negative about the game um the only thing is uh yes should it might it come to other platforms there are rumors um i think it would be nice because i think it's always better that more people play games that are fun um obviously it's a business decision for xbox to make um and i suspect that i suspect it will i suspect it will come to ps5 so those of you who don't have an xbox or a gaming pc should be able to enjoy it and yeah i recommend you check it out especially assuming as it will retain its kind of affordable price tag yeah check it out do leah so uh i have spent i don't actually have the number in front of me but i've spent probably a couple of hundred hours on theater rhythm at this point <laughs> um so i am what i would consider to be a rhythm game person yeah um I like character action games, but I'm typically not very good at them. So if you put those two things together, as they have done here, mm. um, it should, in theory, be a game that I am really going to be into. And I was, for the most part. I don't think that this was perfect, and I'm probably not going to go back, at least not at this point. I, at some At some point, you know, maybe I'll come back and play this some more, but I'm not going to be the one who's, you know, chasing... Uh, chasing high scores or or trophies or anything like that. Um, so I had a really good experience with it, and I think that especially if you have access to Game Pass, then you should absolutely give this one a look. Uh, even if you don't end up loving it, you know, if you have it on Game Pass, then you don't really have anything to lose except a little bit of your time. Uh, if you do not have access to Game Pass, like Leon said, um, I think that it's there's a pretty good chance that this is going to come to at least one of the other platforms. So, you know, keep an eye out for it, because I, I do think that it's worth it. Um, and yeah, I, I like I said, I, I was not... I was definitely not as good at this as uh, as maybe some of the people who are going to go after me, but um, I had I had a nice time. I thought that the music was good. I thought it was a really gorgeous looking game, um, and yeah, well written to the point where the humor. It's and I mean I said this at the top. The humor in video games is so hard, and it. It gets failed a lot, but this one, uh, this one did did a pretty decent job, I think, because they didn't try to pretend like all of these characters were incredibly cool and all of the things that they were saying were incredibly cool things. Like your protagonist is an absolute dweeb. Like this guy <laughs> would be nowhere if he didn't have the rest of these people with him. And also, they didn't try to shoehorn a love interest in, and I really no. appreciate that. Like. If it fits, great. It would not have fit in this game, and fortunately, it seems like they figured that part out. Yeah. So um, there's just a little uh, hint that Peppermint's crushing yeah, on Corsica. Right? That's, yeah. that's all yeah. there is. Yeah, so that's it though. It's it's really understated. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you want to reference that kind of stuff, sure, cool. But I think that to put in an entire like just love story yeah. or you know yeah. that it just would not have fit in this game. So yeah. um, you know, I I. 
if they if they do a sequel, I will be there probably day mm. one because it will probably be on Game mm. Pass day one. Um, but for now, yeah, uh, I wholeheartedly recommend. And um, yeah, that's that's what I got. I think they'll make a sequel. I think so too. I feel like they will. Brian, yeah, I also feel like they'll make a sequel. Why? I mean, this is probably the most positive critical claim that Tango has gotten, and then following Ghostwire, yeah. you know, they could. I'm sure, and I'm sure Xbox is probably incentivized to keep knocking on that on that door over there. Tango will be like, "Hey, so you thinking about making another one of those? You know that thing that everybody was talking about that got a lot of positive uh, news about Xbox? I, I'm sure that they'll be on that at some point, but." Um, I don't really have much more to say about this one that we haven't said during the podcast other than I think going back to it for the recording was one of the best things I did. I played it at launch. Um, I think I ended up completing it like maybe three or four days after it launched. I really couldn't put it down, but then I didn't touch it again um, until getting ready for this recording. And what I went back to was not the game I remember. I remember a really stylized super cool rhythm action game that I loved, one of my favorite games of the year and all that stuff, but when I went back to it to play it again and then again, I found an experience with a ton of depth mm -hmm. and that is that does lean more into the character action-y side of these games. Um, character action games are known, and the games that I don't necessarily love that much, but known for, you know, reading playthrough on the different difficulty, doing score chasing on each level, trying to get the S rank, trying to get this... And this game has all that, but it's wrapped in a very unique um, package. It, everything about this game feels like it had a very consistent and deliberate viewpoint, which doesn't happen a lot, especially with projects that are made up by dozens, if not hundreds of people working on them together. This game always felt very centered on its vision, and it doesn't really compromise anything for that. Um I, I complained in the middle of the recording about the about the length of some of the levels and some of the pacing, and I still think those are are. I still believe in those criticisms, but I don't think it. I don't think it ruins the experience at all. I I think that these levels are fun to be in. Everything reacts just the way that the like, the way that like the steam pipes will open up on beat and just like and there's you could just stop in some of these little like areas you're in, just look around and and not run out of seeing different little animated items in the in the background just keeping with the beat and um it, it was really cool i i love the main character i love the supporting cast i feel like we didn't talk about peppermint a lot during this recording but she's such mm. a cool and strong mm. character um and and really this story is more about her than it is about shy and her family and everything else yeah. um and i i think that they do a really good job of telling that story through his lens and um while he, he is the kind of classic doofus um yeah, I can't recommend this game enough, and and like Leah said, and and Leon before her, uh, I do think it, it's probably the game that's coming to other um, other platforms. So if you if you see it and on whatever you play on, and you get a chance to give it a go. It's it's certainly worth taking a look at because there's nothing else quite like it. I'd be very happy with a Peppermint uh, starring sequel. And yeah, absolutely. Bringing her front and center as the main character, going about with eight oh eight, and um, and actually Chai would make a a. a perfectly fine and fun support character all right let me pitch you this it's a service game it's four-player co-op macaron uh corsica no hold on bear with me um so you activate now you can buy these tokens to activate how many token. currencies has it got in it <laughs> gonna say uh so where does the uh ai and the um the nfts come in yeah Boy, bring it do all I have on. a powerpoint presentation to show you <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it would be so good if we we published a game and it was just stuffed with uh, with all the things we dislike. Um, like, yeah. Anyway, um, it's your pick, Tony. It's your conclusion. It, yeah, it was my pick, and yeah, I, I love this game, but for multiple reasons. One, I think yeah, it's a very cleverly designed game um be it through how the the combat syncs with the the visual style so perfectly well um but i think the thing that we probably didn't get onto too much because i think it's the the hardest thing to actually really discuss i think this game has a heart and soul like no other game i've played in a long time like leon you talked about how you kind of see the end credits and you're kind of left with that kind of glowy feeling because the characters have kind of been through this nice little journey and yeah it's not like you know they've changed the world but there's there is something, uh, there's this harmony scene towards the back end of the game where you you have to break through this harmony field. And it's just a simple button press. But the melody of the song and the the characters flipping in and out as you, you, you've seen them coming past all combine into this one moment of kind of that shield just breaking down. Like, I had a little tear in my eye, honestly. It was, it was, it was really oh. touching and... It reminded me of the Gitaru Man scene on the beach where, where they first play the legendary song mm. in in uh, in acoustic. Yeah, form. it was it was really touching, and I and I think there's a lot to be said. You know, games do a lot of things, but actually hitting that kind of comedy, but also having heart, is a really hard thing to do. There's a lot of people that describe this game as that kind of lost Dreamcast game, and I and I think I keep thinking back like, why is that? But when you think back to something like Crazy Taxi, the yeah 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 like that stuff and it kind of just impermeates into your soul it's like yeah am i and, and jet set radio an obvious comparison but so much of that was just that kind of combination of music and gameplay coming together but you play it now it's like well maybe it's not as solid as i remember it being it was back then but there there's a heart and soul to this game there's a visual style that i think is really striking i think it's a triple a project that is really brave to make in a day and age where stuff like this doesn't seem to sell. And maybe that was the case of why not to make it, but that kind of weirdly shadow dropped, like they didn't even know how to market something like this because the market doesn't seem to be there for something like this anymore, but it drops and it's like just this brilliantly put together piece of a game that reminds me why I love this medium, because you can have something like this just, just ticks all those boxes personally for me. It's like they made a game for me and that's brilliant. Um, and I, yeah, I will continue probably playing this once a year. It's one of those games for me where there's a lot to love about it. And even though I've seen the story a number of times over, it still makes me smile and it still makes me laugh. And my you know, my wife's was sitting there in the corner and she's watching me bopping away in the chair to my headphones because, you know, the perfect drugs come on or, you know, hit that prodigy scene again. And, it, and you know, just sitting there smiling. She's like, I haven't seen you smile so long just playing a video game. And I'm like, I know it's so... <laughs> Like it, it just, yeah, it's infectious. So yeah, it was my game of 2023. It's one of my favorite games um, permanently. So it was uh, one of the sad things is there is no physical release. I, I want a copy of no. this to go on the shelf and it's just <laughs> not available. Keep keep waiting. Limited uh, like, run. Well, they don't really do Xbox they, games. Uh, they, they, might, so, could, they might. There's that vinyl release that I want to get, which is like a super duper vinyl release. So I'll, I'll get that and uh, pretend that's, that's great. So is that our friends at yes, base? Indeed. Um, so yeah absolutely loved I've a rush happy to talk about it and happy everyone else had that uh, fun time with it yeah I was hoping to turn up and really poo on your parade but uh, I enjoyed the game too much (laughs) I wasn't really you know me 
I like to like things. Uh, yeah. So there we go. Another podcast just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Leah, Tony, Editor Jay, all of our correspondents. And of course, as ever, always you for listening. Next time, Ryan takes over in issue 604, Sticky Balls of Soul, our Katamari Damacy series podcast. We somehow made it through all of this. Making things is hard. Things never go as planned. Too many features, not enough time. We want the best, but can only do so much with what we have. So this is what we made We've never been more proud